a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. All right, it is a Friday morning, so that means it's time for the political, uh, the week roundup, I guess. And this morning I'm joined by John Moore and political commentator and lecturer uh, at Victoria University, Bryce Edwards. Morena to you both. Kiara Koto. Hi there, Jamie, and uh, congratulations on making it through that uh, surgery. Oh, I tell you what, it was an experience. It was an experience. I had uh, quite the team of doctors that like to make a lot of good jokes and stuff, so they made me very relaxed, and uh, it was it was a good time. I feel I feel fine and dandy. Um, but and the, is the is the public health system working, or was this private? Uh, this was public, and oh yeah, uh, brilliant. It was preventative medicine this time. So uh, it wasn't even uh, a thing that was, uh, um, you know, it, w- it wasn't really imperative. It didn't have to happen now. Um, but they thought, you know, we don't want you to have pancreatitis again. Uh, so we'll get you in and, and we'll get it out. So it was, yes, it was in doubt, cut it out. Yeah, exactly. So it was good preventative medicine instead of like an emergency thing. Um, so it actually worked. But then again, I've seen stories this week of uh, poor people um, that uh, had to go to an oncologist and couldn't get an appointment for six weeks and now they're dying. So, uh, <laughs> that guy in Southland. Yeah, so it's worked well for me. Um, thank my lucky stars. But for some other people, not so much. And, uh, you know, David's just across from me. Uh, not in the studio, but he's not too far away. So I hope he's listening. Uh, Mr. Clark. Anyway, um, but yes, no, it's a good good start to the year for me. Anyway, um, let us um, let us begin, I guess, with um, National's new tax policy. Uh, National, you know, hates the coalition government's uh, committees, their working groups, and the like. Yet, uh, while Sir Michael Cullen works on new ideas for New Zealand's tax structure. Um, Nationals stealing old ones of his from days gone by. Simon Bridges must have some pretty fresh breath uh, with all that gum he's been chewing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty straightforward reform that National are proposing. So at the moment, it, um, we have several brackets in terms of the proportion of tax you pay. And once you get into the highest bracket, then you pay the highest. Um, proportion, which I think is 33%. Now, the problem is that if due to inflation your pay goes up um, and you go into the highest bracket, you suddenly start paying a higher rate of tax. And, and National is arguing that's unfair. And in effect, because of um, gradual inflation, it's pushing everyone into that um, top tax bracket, which almost amounts to having a flat tax when over half the population is, is um, paying in the top tax bracket. So the idea is that those brackets will be adjusted in regards to inflation, so therefore the majority of people will stay in the current bracket they are, even if their pay goes up. So in some ways it, it makes a lot of sense. It's not particularly radical, and it's definitely something that this current government uh, could easily do, and may even um, do, while raising taxes in other areas to account for the, the tax loss that would happen because of this reform. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you've got to get the money from somewhere else. So it's not like you may be getting a tax cut there uh, and would certainly, to me, seem to probably benefit uh, those a little bit higher up. Uh, but then um, they have to take money from somewhere else and where they're going to get it from. But this has been done before, hasn't it, Bryce? Um, Michael Cullen. Right. 
So, yes, your introductory remarks about Michael Cullen are quite apt. So back in about 2005, he brought in a budget that did adjust the, the tax brackets for inflation, and it only led to a small kind of tax relief. And um, his opponents, National in particular, characterised that as the, the chewing gum budget because, yes, it only put a small amount of money into people's pockets, and it really didn't make a big you know, difference to people's lives. So now, um, you know, in the topsy-turvy world of New Zealand politics, National are being bashed by Labour for the same sort of arguments. Um, so Grant Robertson saying, you know, this really isn't going to make much difference. Um, it's only going to be a few dollars a week into people's pockets. And um, and Bridges does admit that. He's not saying this is a... He, he says it's not a tax cut. He says it's just a tax adjustment. Um, and what's interesting, if you look at it from a kind of left-right perspective, I don't think there's anything particularly right-wing or... or conservative about what Bridges is putting forward, it really just comes to a value judgment about whether you want to you know, um, keep those current tax brackets where they are. Because at the moment, as John said at the start, the more that inflation um, shifts people up into higher incomes without them actually you know, earning more you know, in, in reality, it means you've got a flatter tax structure. And so we talk a lot about progressive taxation, in which case, you know, the poor pay less tax and the rich pay more. And so this flattens out the scales each year with inflation. Mm-hmm. So really what Bridges is arguing is to increase the progressiveness of the tax um, system. So in some ways, left-wingers should actually support this, I think. Okay, and do you think we'll we'll see those on the left supporting it? Um, not necessarily those in government and power, but what are those uh, out there in the wonderful world of the internet and the like saying about this? I think those traditional left-wingers who believe in a, a real progressive tax system, where, as Bryce said, the rich pay proportionally more than people on lower income, I think they really... Um, it's hard for them to attack this policy. Um, the angle that Labor's taking, of course, is that it's going to reduce the income for the government from taxes, um, whereas at the same time, National isn't really talking about cutting state expenditure. In many ways, National's talking about increasing uh, state expenditure. Uh, National's been quite critical of Labor in terms of holding back pay rises for nurses and teachers, and uh, National said that it, it would um, 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 support the uh, pay claims of, of teachers and nurses as well as increasing infrastructure like roads. So, um, yeah, uh, so National does need to um, take into account that this is going to reduce the state's income and it needs to get money from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Especially for operations in hospitals like gallbladder removals or whatever <laughs> they your pet. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, maybe, you know, a new stream uh, of tax will come online soon, say cannabis. Um, you, you know, it's, it's something to uh, fill the void. Um, but is this in a way maybe just letting employers off the hook somewhat? And maybe they should uh, increase uh, or, you know, or, or do something different with the wage structures um, so um, that kind of battles the rise of inflation? Um, yeah, I mean, there's arguments that uh, um, uh, all our um, salaries and wages and benefits should be indexed to inflation so that there's effectively an automatic increase as, as um, the cost of living goes up. Um, because, of course, if, you, if you're... If you're if there's 2% inflation, 5% inflation, and your pay stays the same year after year, that actually amounts to, uh, a, in real terms, a reduction in your pay because mm. you're not 
to buy the same amount of goods and services that you were beforehand um, when inflation was lower. Um, yes, yeah, so th- that is a good point. Will this resonate more, Bryce, now than it did with Cullen? Obviously, you know, it wasn't putting well, much money in the yeah. back of the pocket, but it's a different, different days now, it's different times. It is. And we're actually having much more conversations at the moment about tax, you know, especially with uh, Michael Cullen's tax working group report coming out soon. So it's obvious that National have a strategy of just fighting around economic issues. That's going to be their main kind of way of trying to undercut the government is just to talk about tax and talk about how it's going to affect you know, the average working person um, with uh, policies like this. And, of course, Nationals you know, promising to repeal any capital gains tax that Labor brings in and not to bring in any more taxes. So, yeah, I think Simon Bridges is quite onto it in knowing that people are really concerned about economics at the moment. And um, he's not really talking so much about drug reform. I think they're onto a loser whenever National gets into talking about those sort of euthanasia or um, those sort of social issues because they're on the wrong side of history on all of that. But they might have more resonance when they're talking about um, reducing tax on average earners. Um, with my uh, Sir Michael Cullen in control of the tax working group, do you think that maybe this will be something he'd look at anyway? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Cullen comes out with um, some sort of recommendations for changing um, the bracket problem. And, of course, he has advocated that before, as we said. And he, um, you know, uh, uh, there's nothing stopping a, a Labour government even, or any government, just doing it without putting it into law. So, of course, what Simon Bridges is saying is they're going to put it into law when governments could actually do this every year, every three years, if they wanted to, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the other political parties saying? I heard something, uh, some peeps out of um, ACT the other day. Oh, ACT, they're gleeful, of course. Well, they're gleeful because this is their policy. They've been at, David Seymour's been advocating this for year, years. But he's also, of course, got that situation where he's a bit pissed off because um, you know whenever National take on one of his policies it makes him less relevant yeah. <laughs> way his own unique selling points so you know he kind of puts out these press releases saying I told you so you know you're stealing my ideas but well done and so it's a bit of a mixed message uh, the Greens New Zealand first I haven't seen anything from them no. about this no um, and do, do you think that really this is the kind of battleground that's going to work for National on the economic front? Like, oh, I, th- I think um, um, for sure and uh, it's going to put more money in people's pockets. Uh, um, but again, if, if, if Labour comes back with a counter-attack saying, well, um, there's, there's a fiscal hole here, uh, you, you're cutting back in, um, um, in, in taxes, Effectively, but you're not going. But you're talking about actually increases in expenditure in lots of places. Then I think if Labor pushes that line hard, then it would show Labor to be more competent managers of the economy of New Zealand's capitalist system as opposed to national. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing a lot of our tax money uh, being spent at the moment on things like hospitals as we you know obviously we're having a bit of a medical theme this morning but we saw the rundown of Middlemore we've seen uh, you know Dunedin has to be replaced we're hearing horror stories from other hospitals around the country um, so I mean are we and, and, and Labour's having to spend money to uh, fix those issues so I mean can we even really afford something like this? 
Yeah, um, I, I, I think uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a need for huge infrastructure investment and, and fixing up those problems that have been festering away for years, such as yeah, in regards to hospital infrastructure. And um, yeah, no, the, the arguably the state can't afford to suddenly uh, reduce its income from taxes. So yeah, I think that is a good point. Mm, mm. So it would be interesting to see because, of course, um, what will come out will be Labour's the party of spending, but they've got to spend money at the moment. Otherwise, you know, um, I wouldn't have got my surgery and that wouldn't have been good for me. Pancreatitis is no fun. Yeah, and um, I mean, Labour might be portrayed as the government of spending, although they've imposed very strict fiscal responsibility rules on themselves. But National is very much the party of me too. So anything um, Labour says it will do, National's got itself into a rut where it says me too plus. So yeah. we will increase teachers' pay and nurses' pay, but more than Labour are going to. So. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, well, there's a fiscal hole there. Um, right, let's get into Kiwi Build. Um, jump in feet first. Um, it will work itself out. That seems like the slogan for, um, for Kiwi Build. Yeah, I think this is hugely embarrassing for this government and for the Labour Party, which may Kiwi Build one of its key policies platforms for um, one way to help fix the housing crisis. And so the um, so the targets that, that, that Labour government has set for themselves, that, that they're not going to meet. Uh, they were meant to uh, meet a target of 1,000 homes by this July. Uh, Full twice the Minister of Housing says they'll be lucky to have 300 houses um, built. So the response of Labour is to um, ditch its targets. Uh, to say, well, yes, in 10 years' time we'll have 10,000 houses, but we're not going to give all these uh, interim targets that that we uh, proposed beforehand. And that just seems very deeply cynical. Um, and I think National had a point when they said, well, it's very easy to say how many houses are going to be built in 10 years because is, is uh, any of these parties going to be part of the government in 10 years? And that, that is very much open to question. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it's deeply cynical and it shows you that the, the whole mentality behind Kiwi Build, relying on the private sector uh, to build houses in cooperation with the government and then to sell them off at below market prices, uh, just isn't working. It's, yeah, I mean, Bryce, was was this, you know, was it sloppy on Labour's part? Did they have their plan set down? Uh, was it a she'll be right attitude? Or was it just a bribe? I, I think it's all of those things, actually. Um, I mean, that's what political parties do. They try to put forward an idea that will get votes. And I think it's one they did actually believe in. So it wasn't cynical in that regard, and they really do want to build as many houses as possible. Uh, and of course, they are, you know, inheriting a housing affordability crisis that really is a bit beyond this government. You know, it's it's just, you know, whatever they do is going to be a drop in the ocean unless they go for some really large scale, you know, um, emergency, you know, housing construction, perhaps like the first Labour government did in terms of state housing, um, and so. I, you know, I, I think they do have the desire to fix this problem, but not really the cash. And of course, it comes a bit back to Grant Robertson's uh, fiscal responsibility rules. You know, they're not really willing to put in the, the billions of dollars that is actually necessary to build, you know, especially state houses. So, yeah, I, you've got to feel a bit sorry for uh, Phil Twyford. 
know, because he's running this policy, but Grant Robertson won't actually give him the cash to make it a success, in my view. Um, but this week, I think, has been a real turning point for QE Build. Suddenly, you know, the critics really are um, convincing, I think, the public that this scheme is a bit of a dog and that, you know, they should be going back to the drawing board. So there's, you know, editorials in the stuff newspapers today, you know, the press and the Dominion Post saying that really the Labour government needs to either fix QE Build or ditch it and go back to something much more serious. Because as John says, you know, this was always a bit of a mixed model. We used the private sector and the state. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, it's kind of it's very much kind of third way, like, you know, what Helen Clark and Tony Blair were into in the 1990s. Um, whereas I think it demands something a lot more state orientated if they want to um, actually make big uh, shifts. I mean, if you look at what's happening in China at the moment, you know, the Chinese government doesn't mess around. If they have a problem, they just, you know, totally go in there and, you know, use the might of, of the state to build. And I think, you know, New Zealand could actually learn a bit from China at the moment in that regard. They've got some amazing ghost towns over there, brand new cities that no one lives yeah, in. Yeah, it might have gone over the top. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we live in a nation full of trees, uh, you know, there's New Zealand steel, there's all, you know, but somehow the costs involved, the costs of materials and whatnot is absolutely outrageous. There's allowed to be these giant monopolies within New Zealand when yeah. it comes to building supplies. And so that's been a big issue, and especially when you're talking about a public-private partnership. You know, the, the, the yeah. private ones are profit, you know. That's right. And so, likewise, we're hearing some calls at the moment for some sort of royal commission of inquiry into the construction industry and why you know, they're failing so badly in this housing crisis because there's so much to demand for housing, yet the market's not really delivering either. And, in fact, um, the, I mean, the other problem is the lack of skilled labour at the moment. So, you know, um, that's what the, the housing industry says. We just don't have the actual capacity to build more houses. Um, and so I can see see a situation whereby we bring in lots more immigrants over the next few years to help with this um, housing crisis. Yeah, you've also got a you know uh, a council in Auckland that's scared to take away golf courses from people, so land's an issue Indeed. as well. Yep. Yeah, um, and, and something really needs to be done there, you know, you've got 200 people playing, have, they have them play on a course that's massive, massive stretches of land. Um, so, yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but I feel sorry for poor old Twyford. <laughs> he's, 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 like, got the poison chalice every time. Yeah, I mean, this this could have been his, his moment in history uh, of um, dealing with a severe crisis um, in, in, in making tens of thousands of people very happy, but no, it's worked out the other way. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's heading towards being presented as a boogeyman who's yeah. just not delivering. It seems like he's got his hands tied behind his back. Um, right, um, we better um, finish off uh, with Venezuela, I guess, because... Um, I don't think a lot of us really know what's going on over there. I see little clippets on the news and online, uh, but it seems a bit of a mess, you know, after all that promise of Chavez um, years ago and private um, making the uh, oil industry public again and, and, and feeding the poor and all this. And then, you know, he that got messy. There was a coup for a while, and at the end of Chavez, before he died... Um, it was terribly unpopular, uh, and then this guy came in um, on on a wave of support, um, and now that's turning to a mess as well. Yeah, it's an absolute mess, and it's a it's a, it's a tragedy um, being played out before our eyes. Um, 
Venezuela is um, very important for a number of reasons. It's, it's uh, amongst the biggest um, oil reserves in the world. But I think politically what's important about it is that, yes, in, pe- in many people's eyes, especially people on the left and, and who are progressive, saw it as a, a, a new model for 21st century socialism, uh, one that wasn't overly bureaucratic and dictatorial, such as in the Stalinist and and, and Maoist system of socialism, Um, but also something that that was a system that was able to rally the most poor and and dispossessed in um, Venezuela around a a populist left-wing program. Clearly, that model uh, of socialism has utterly failed in Venezuela. Um, uh, Now, although the regime, certainly at one stage under Hugo Chavez, had had, um, popular, widespread popular support, um, although the the most elite um, elements in the country were always incredibly hostile to the Hugo Chavez regime, um, that support has has plummeted. Um, And um, if if there was a fair and free election in Venezuela, it would be very doubtful that this um, socialist government would get elected back in. So it's really um, the, the current regime... Um, ruled by uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Maduro, uh, has um, really rigged elections and in, in, um, changed the constitution in a way that it's a, it's a, yes, it's a setup for his party and supporters to get back in. Mm, mm. It's funny how um, the United States is one of the biggest critics, yet gerrymandering uh, is. Uh... <laughs> It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, oh, yeah, States, there's a lot of irony. In countries like America and the European Union who are now officially recognising the opposition, and, um, and uh, Juan Guaido, the opposition leader, they're recognising him as a legitimate president, uh, they keep completely silent about um, ruthless uh, dictatorships such as the Saudi Arabia regime and all those Gulf states um, um, because they're their mates. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, Venezuela has been a mate of Russia for a while, right? I mean, they've been exporting their, 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 a lot of their oil. Yeah, and, and China, and um, it was, it's close to Iran as well. Um, I guess um, uh, what what probably is puzzling to people is why the economy has has taken such a downturn. In, in Venezuela, you've got the highest uh, inflation rates in the world. Um, uh, um, people have uh, uh, aren't able to buy basic goods uh, in supermarkets anymore. And it was very much, I think it came about through um, that, that model of socialism that Hugo Chavez was trying to implement was purely based on, uh, on, the, on petrodollars. And, um, and he really didn't try and expand the economy or make the economy more efficient, but just relied on that cash coming from uh, oil being actually ironically um, predominantly exported to the States. Um, with the uh, price of oil taking a nosedive, the government responded by just suddenly printing cash uh, to mm. pay for schemes. And um, um, sometimes that works. Um, quantitative easing can work in boosting the economy. Japan's been trying it for years, but yeah. the degree that they started printing cash uh, just led to hyperinflation and really to a collapse of the economy. Yeah, um, that's scary. That's scary. You know, I just keep thinking of milk. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, is it well? In a way, uh, is this really all about just America and their um, need for uh, securing energy? No, I don't think it's all about that. I think um, 
um, there's lots of governments throughout the world who uh, have social programs similar to what had been carried on in Venezuela. Um, it's, the Venezuelan government wasn't as radically a left as it is often made out. It, it nationalised very few industry. The economy is, is predominantly still privately owned. Um, it's still uh, overwhelmingly uh, uh, a market-driven capitalist economy. Um, but what what I think is um, upset America and other Western powers is is the propaganda and rhetoric that has come out of this regime, promoting um, um, sort of a third world uh, populist nationalism, uh, with their target being the, the so-called Great American Beast. And I think Hugo, Hugo Chavez himself went to the UN and, and, and alluded to uh, George Bush Jr. Uh, um, leaving a scent of uh, sulphur. <laughs> the UN I remember that. It was great. Yeah, so I think it's that that sort of militant, radical um, nature of how the Venezuelan government protects itself internationally and how it supports um, other left-wing forces throughout the world that would be of greatest concern to, say, the American administration rather than the actual economic policies that are carrying on in mm. the country itself. Um, Bryce, do you have any idea what the New Zealand government is saying on this, where they're sitting? Uh, at the moment, they are reluctant to get involved, and um, whereas lots of other Western governments are, are stepping in and um, coming in support of the so-called new government, the, and now declaring uh, Chavez's, sorry, um, the, sorry, I forget his name, um, uh, Maduro as the new president, no, New Zealand, and uh, the foreign minister, Winston Peters, is wanting to stay out of it. Um, which seems, on the face of it, to be quite a sensible decision, um, but it puts them out of line with the rest of the, the world, and I think that's probably, yeah, I think Winston Peters is probably quite keen to do that. It shows that he's just not going along with, uh, you know, the West and the US on this. We've been doing a lot of that lately. I like it. That's great. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this, especially when you've got Mexico support, supporting the former um, well, the, 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 the president at the moment. Um, and we've got those two big blocks, Russia and China, yeah. uh, that, that seem to be continuing to back the current regime. And that's another reason why New Zealand's effectively taken a, a neutral line, is um, because it, it realises that if it, if it swings in behind America and the EU, and its condemnation of the left-wing government in Venezuela, it's going to piss off China and Russia. So New Zealand, in terms of international relations, it's always playing, playing a balance game between its official allies, the Western nations, and its biggest trading partner, China. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you both. Nice to hear Thank your voice, you. Bryce. Yes, you too. Yes. <laughs> have a good one. Enjoy your uh, day up in Wellington, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good stuff. Okay, see ya. All right, bye. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.